Good morning, everyone. We have entered the first Sunday of December, and uh, really excited about what God is doing, even in the midst of all the things that we've been going through. One of the things I wanted to mention as well this morning that uh, we've been kind of working to put together, and just like everything in this season, we've questioned it and tried to think about it and see if it made sense to do, but we are going to do a Christmas Eve Eve service. Everybody say Christmas Eve Eve. So Christmas Eve is December 24th. Christmas Eve Eve is December 23rd. So it's a Wednesday night. We're going to do a Christmas Eve Eve service here uh, at 7 p.m. So I want to invite you all to come out and be a part of that. We'll also have it online. So if you, uh, you can't make it or if you're watching online and you can't make it, that would be a perfect opportunity to gather together with us as we sing some songs to our Lord and Savior and as we celebrate his coming. And this is a huge thing as we uh, look into the season, remembering not only that he came, but what he came to do. And it all really ties in pretty well with the Disrupted series, the Disrupted. Now, one of the things that we've been talking about is that we have been a disrupted church over the past six, eight, nine months, however many, depending on when you start counting, maybe close to a year. And we know that we've had this pandemic and we've all had to adjust to all of that and all the changes. But one of the things I've been continually asking both you in, our, in my messages as well as personally is what is God calling us as Heritage Christian Church to do in this season? Now, some may say that 2020 is a wasted season or it's a wasted year, just a throwaway year. It's done and over. And though many of us would hope that it's over soon and that all the things that we've faced over this past year change, the reality is, is I, I believe that in God's kingdom, there are no wasted years. So as we've gone through this season, as we think through the things of what God is calling us to do, we have to truly say, God, what are you trying to teach us in this season? What do you want us to do? Can we be the church? Can we be the church like I spoke about last week? It's just the church being the church. Just like we talk about Manny being Manny on the Red Sox. I want to be a part of a church that's known as a church being the church. So what does that look like for Heritage Christian Church? If this is not a wasted year, then what is he trying to teach us through this season? And what is he calling us out to do? You see, this is not a time, I believe, to shrink back. This is a time to move forward. This is a time to allow God to do what he wants to do in us. So that as things break, we're ready to share his truth with the world. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 through 19. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in dry wastelands. See, in this passage of scripture, this is Isaiah speaking. And specifically, he's speaking over the Israelites. But he's also speaking over his, over the followers of God. And he's saying, I am doing a new thing. I am doing something new in this season. Do you see it? What's even more important about this passage is that he says that he will make a pathway through the wilderness. 
We do not make our own pathway, but he will make a pathway in the wilderness. And he will create rivers and dry wastelands. That means that as though we may feel as if we're going through a wilderness, or though we may feel like we're going through a wasteland, the reality is that God will make a way where there seems to be no way. There is always a way for the people of God to step up and to fulfill the calling that he's placed on each and every believer and each and every church. He will show us the path. All we need to do is to be obedient to what he shows us to do. Now, for the past four years, as a pastor of this church, I've continued to seek God as to the vision and the direction that he has for Heritage Christian Church. There's been a lot of time of just spending time in the community, just being here, getting to know the ins and outs a little bit of a particular community. And prior to me being hired here at Heritage Christian Church, part of the conversation in the interview had to be about my heart for the community. And that's what was exciting about the board when they hired me, as they saw that I had a heart for the community and that I really had a desire to find a way to reach our community in the best way possible. And every community is different, so it doesn't always look the same. Now, I helped to grow a youth ministry in Worcester, and it looked a lot different in how I grew that. But my heart was still in the community. My heart was, how do I find the resources and the people that I can minister to? It was just down the road. <laughs> just had to be there. Just had to show our community that we were for them. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be part of a church that is known as being for the community that we find ourselves in. That is known for people, to be for people. Often Christians are known more for what they are against than what they are for. Let me share my short list to you this morning. God is for his followers. God is for the lost sheep. God is for sinners. God is for the wealthy. God is for the poor. God is for the orphans. God is for the widows. God is for atheists and agnostics. God is for life because he wants us to have it more abundantly. God is for the young man or woman who is faced with difficult choices. God is for the sick those who have cancer or other diseases. God is for the addict and their families. God is for love, grace, forgiveness, and peace. God is for families and unity and acceptance. It's a lot of things that he's for, but most, most often what's touted is what he's against. Many people believe that churches are only in the communities for themselves. That the church is not for the community, but in fact, it's just railing against it. Now, churches are in the community, but not for the community. And there may be some truth to that, or maybe there's a little bit of a stretch. Maybe there's no truth to that for some churches. But perception often becomes reality, whether it's true or not. And there are many barriers to reaching people with the gospel. Many things that come in the way between us and what we preach or what we tell them. And those barriers become the things that they're 
maybe their own take on what churches are all about. But there are several things that I think we can change by showing that we are for the community. And this doesn't work for us to show ourselves that we're for the community. They need to know it. They need to sense it. They need to feel it. That we're not just in the community, but we're also for them. That we're cheering for them. That they, we want our local businesses to succeed. That we want people to come out of poverty. That we want people to continue to grow and their families to grow and to be healthy and strong and educated. We want all of those things for the people of our community. Imagine a church that was so influenced by the power of the gospel that it seized every opportunity to, pro to proclaim and live out the gospel for the good of the town or the city that it's in. Imagine this church physically spirit and spiritually serving the poorest of the poor, but also lovingly rebuking the wealthy. Imagine this church being the epicenter of a straight-up, God-fearing, spirit-filled revival leading thousands of people to eternal life in just a few years. In other words, imagine a church that boldly preached the gospel and lived out the values of the kingdom. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a church like that. This is what we see in the early church. In church history, this is also what we see from a man named Charles Spurgeon who had a church in London that ministered to the down and out and those that were poor and in poverty. This is what we see in America through an uh, organization or you've seen, it's a ministry called Green Center. You've seen Green Centers all around our nation. And this is also what we see from a, a fairly local church in Menden, Massachusetts. Bethany Community Church. It's an Assembly of God church there. Pastor Phil McCutcheon, Sherry McCutcheon. Great church doing great things. And they have a under, under ministry of that church called Compassion New England. This is a church that has shown itself to be for the community and has done great work in not just Milford, but also Menden. Menden and Milford. They have this thing called the Blessing Barn. Maybe you've never heard of it. I, I encourage you to go onto their website. It's called theblessingbarn.com. But it's this amazing store where they've taken in things that people have just donated. Some of it they've restored. If it's junk, they trash it. And they only put the nicest stuff out for people who are looking for a new home decor or different colors or you know, things that they can maybe chairs or, or things that they can reupholster or, or fix or repair or paint. And everything that they make from this store goes right back into the local community and Compassion New England and all the outreaches and things that they do for the church, or for the community, I should say. Uh, their income this past year, from what I can remember, and I may stand corrected on this by a board member, but I think they said they did $750,000 last year of business. That's a lot of money going back into the community and reaching their area. What does that go towards? They don't, mi they don't mix it with church funds. They keep it separate, and they use it for ministry. They have a crisis center in downtown uh, Milford. 
they have a youth facility in downtown Milford. It's their own building. The building was just decrepit and starting to fall apart. They purchased it and redid the whole thing, and now it's a, just a youth facility right in downtown where teens are walking by and come in. They have a, a ministry called Second Chance where they take somebody who's been captured by the throes of addiction and now coming out of that, and they disciple and mentor that person. They only do one or two at a time, and they house them, and they pay for their college to get them to continue to move on and grow in their faith and grow economically and try to get themselves back on their feet again. They have a place called the Happy Place. It's an entire facility for people that have special need kids that they can drop them off and they can get a little bit of a respite or go run errands or do other things while their children are being taken care of, they're having fun with their friends, they have a lot of sensory perception things all around the building, and they have people watching over those kids while the parents get a little bit of a break. They have a food pantry. They have emergency housing in Boston. They literally just opened up a store in Boston on Deacon Street. Emergency housing for those that may find themselves in the, in the hospital and their family's there and have no place to go. Pastor Joe, Beth, Sarah, and I took a tour of all their facilities about a year ago, and we were so impressed with their operation and their willingness to help wherever they could. We filed it away as, uh, as something that maybe we could do someday. <laughs> maybe this is something we can do down the road because we like the idea of being part of the community, giving back to the community, showing people the love of Christ through the way that we're helping. So we thought, well, maybe not immediately, but maybe it's something we would look into in the future. As Pastor Joe and Beth have continued their work in Sandwich, I began to think about what it would look like for our church to become a hub of ministry centers on this part of the Cape, starting with Falmouth and Sandwich, and maybe branching out to Masters. At the same time, right around that time, Cindy and Mark Mendez had been uh, talking to me about... Um, having a Christian Legal Society branch here in our church to help with people who have ne elderly needs or legal needs, maybe give some advice for poor elderly people that just need help or maybe even just need help filling out some forms for assistance. And I asked her, I said, Cindy, can you just call Bethany Community Church, find out how they do it? Do they do it under the church? Do they have their own, you know, 501c3 on the side? Is it something separate? Can you just work out the details? And of course, she had that conversation with with Bethany, and they're more than willing to help and give us some input on what they do. And in the midst of that conversation, we also found out, you know, that the Blessing Barn was the beginning of all of the ministry that they do. And when we met with Sherry a long time ago, we were in a diner, and we kind of talked through what that looked like for them. She said, you know what, being on the Cape, I would do a smaller store. You could probably find something somewhere and just, just get started. Slap some white paint on some tables that you got and, and sell them. And just a few weeks ago, Cindy became aware of a storefront that became available in North Falmouth. A place where we could start a small store to help fund our outreach endeavors here in this area and to our community. And there's a lot more to the story and there's more pieces that you're going to hear over time. But there's a lot of things that just began to fall into place for us to have the store and to rent the store. And we weren't looking <laughs> This was not something that was on the horizon. We were actively trying to find something. We, I put it on the back burner already for, man, this is a great thing, but we're going to have to wait for a little while to make this happen. So 
I called a special board meeting. We discussed the opportunity, and I asked the board to pray until the next board meeting and come in with questions, thoughts, reservations. I also had Sherry McCutcheon, who is the director of Compassion New England, FaceTime us so that she could take any questions that we may have, and she was more than happy to do that. We voted to move forward with this opportunity and find a way to fund our work in the community. Our goal is to begin making profit as soon as possible so that we can give it right back into the community and different resources. And this will not be a thrift store. It will be taking in small pieces of furniture, glassware, home goods, no electronics, no clothes, toys, nothing like that. But things that could be cleaned up, repaired, refinished, or painted, and then sold again. It is in this plaza in North Falmouth, and when we look at the rental space there, it end up being $8.50 a month for the rent and about $150 for the utilities. So about $1,000 a month is what we're looking for for that. So our goal is to raise at least $12,000 so that we can have rent paid for for the year and we can focus on the profits to send to our community and begin building what God is doing here in this church for outreach so that we can begin to show our community that we are for them. Ideally, just big picture, if, we, if I was to have my ideal situation, 12000 is nice, 24000 is better. Isn't that how most of us would like it? Because what we're, what we're learning uh, through this process is that it would probably be ideal to have somebody that we're hiring part-time to take care of the management of the store. It would only be a, a open a few days a week. Um, but that's kind of a, our, our bigger goal. So 12000 for rent, 12000 for a part-time person. Even before I made that announcement, we've had two different people give $1,000 as seed money towards this project. So we have $2,000 right now to get started. We'd open the store only a few days a week to start. We'll, of course, need volunteers to help staff that store. This is a direction that I believe that God is calling us to be and to do. You're not going to hear me unless I can 100% verify. You're not going to hear me say, I heard from God. I heard a clear voice from God. But there have been a lot of things that have fallen into place for this that were not coincidental. And I don't believe in coincidence. I don't know if you've ever heard of an organization called Tom Shoes. This is a, a, a group of people. You can see the shoes that some kids are wearing there. Tom Shoes, their big thing is that when you buy a pair of Tom Shoes, they give a pair to someone in need who has no shoes. And they do that worldwide. So when you buy a pair of their shoes, you're going to benefit these kids that are wearing no shoes, and there's still a few that look like they don't quite have shoes yet. Maybe they didn't have a sign. But buy a pair, give a pair. And that's kind of the idea that we're looking at with the store, is that when you're purchasing something from this store, it's being sowed right back into the community. It's being given right back in some way to help those that are in need right here in this area. I don't want to make this a commercial, and I don't know if anybody else knows a whole lot about this, but I just I have to say this right now, that there's organizations right here in this area that give money to a lot of organizations here to help fund them to show that they care about the community. 
And we have local businesses that give to our communities and money that stays here versus going elsewhere. One of the ones I'm very well aware of is Murray McDonald Insurance. They give a lot back to the community. They give a lot back to this church. So when you're purchasing insurance, you're not just purchasing insurance. You're giving back. You don't know that, maybe. Maybe you're not aware of that, but it happens. I know it for a fact. So it's this idea that not only are you giving something to somebody that has a need, that's willing to purchase it, but you're also sending it right back into the community. You're sending it right back to somebody in need. In the future, we will use the funds that we begin to raise to support a crisis center or possibly centers, more than one, where people in crisis, whether it be they just lost their home because of a fire or other reasons, maybe the kids are being taken out of a home and they need just a place to be for a few days. Or maybe it's just somebody who's struggling through depression that you can encourage. As well as uh, have elder services for people here in the Upper Cape that need help legally or filling out forms. They just need somebody to bounce things off of and they can't afford it. Now I say all these things because it's easy to look at all of that. And some of that is big picture. <laughs> I'm just trying to focus on the next day and the next moment at what needs to happen. And some may say here that it's impossible. But I want to remind you, who makes the pathway in the wilderness? Who creates rivers in a dry wasteland? I'll give you a hint. It's not us. We don't make it happen. Donna Lake brought this devotional to me this, mo this week that she read, and I love the title of it. Think about it just for a second. Stop waiting to be ready. Will we ever be ready? Stop waiting to be ready. Will we ever be ready? We can, we can be ready to have everything in a row and perfectly fixed. But are we ready to take the step? Even though it may be a step of faith. My challenge to you is to skim through the entire Bible and name one person that's not God or Jesus that God used mightily that was completely and wholly ready to take on something new. Name one person. Beside God and Jesus. <laughs> you see, the word of God is a step of faith from beginning to end. From beginning to end. And sometimes... These steps make no sense. Sometimes it seems a little crazy, a little scary. And if I'm being honest, I have felt all of those things over the past several weeks. And I still wrestle with it. But I've been sensing that God is getting ready to disrupt the status quo in this church. And he's shaking something to get us prepared for what he wants us to do. I've been saying it throughout the season. I don't know what it is, but I sense God is doing something. He's trying to teach us something. He's trying to move us out of the nest maybe a little bit. And I sense that this is the direction that God would have us to go. And as I said earlier, I'm not saying I heard from God, but I do get a strong sense 
that we are heading in the right direction with a number of things here in this church, that God is stirring something that we don't even know about yet. I don't believe that these things are all coincidences. You see, it was a step of faith for Abraham to pack up the Winnebago and go to a land that he did not know. It was a step of faith to believe that Sarah, in her old age, would somehow have a child. It didn't make sense that a young slave boy named Joseph would control Egypt. It was a step of faith for Moses to lead the people of Israel right to the water and then raise a staff and the waters parted and they walked through on dry ground. That was not part of the plan or part of the strategy that they figured out ahead of time. It didn't make sense for Joshua to march around walls in Jericho before they came down. What kind of a battle plan is that? Did it make sense to send a, a little boy named David to face a giant like Goliath? I could go on all day. Did it make sense for Peter to find a coin in the mouth of a fish to pay the temple tax? Or that Jesus fed thousands with a few loaves and fish? Did it make sense for Joseph to marry a woman who was already pregnant? Did it make sense that God would be born a man to die for our sins? No. Every one of these examples took steps of faith or were a part of God's master plan to save humanity. And though we are working through as many scenarios as we can, we are also taking a step of faith. Believing that doing something is better than doing nothing. And I would rather fail attempting to do something great than to do nothing and expect our situation to change or the church to grow. God has called me here to lead this church. He is providing a way in the wilderness, and it is scary. I'm not going to lie. But we will not be ruled by fear. This is the time, this is the season, this is what I believe God is calling us to do and asking us to be obedient to that call, to love our community, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. It is then that the walls will begin to come down. It is then that the barriers for the gospel would begin to crumble and give us opportunity to share the truth of God's word to every person that we come into contact with. Because we are for people. We are for our community. We are for love. We are for forgiveness. We are for grace. We are for Christ. We have a lot of things that we are for that we have to contribute to our community. Last night, I kind of tossed and turned and couldn't quite fall asleep. I had so many things going through my mind. Finally fell asleep around 2.30, got up at 5. <laughs> but I read this passage, and I really felt like God led me to this. It's Luke 8.25. This is when the disciples are going across the water. The storms are raging. Jesus is on the boat asleep, which I wish I could have been last night. <laughs> Verse 25 after the waves were calm, this is the question that he asked those disciples. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? But what's even more interesting is after he asked that question, when you continue in that chapter, even into chapter 9, it shows you what can happen 
when you begin to step out in faith. Why? Because not only does Jesus calm the storm, they then get up on the shores and there's this man who was filled with demons. They were called legion. It says that he was homeless. He was naked. And what did Jesus do? But he leaves him clothed and in his right mind and sent him back to his right family. That's faith in action. What's the next part of the, the next part of the same chapter? You have the woman with the issue of blood who tried everything she could do on her own. She gave all of her money to doctors trying to fix the problem. But what was the step of faith she had? If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. That's faith in action. Then you have Jairus' daughter who is sick. And they came, the messengers came and said, you know what, your daughter is dead, don't bother him anymore, it's all done. Jesus said, trust me. And the sick, the dead, they were healed, they were raised, she was raised. That's faith in action. The very next chapter, in chapter 9, you know what it starts off with? Jesus sends out the 12 disciples. Steps of faith. Not only did he say, where is your faith? He then showed them, this is what faith does. This is what faith does. This is what faith does. Now go do it. It says, one day Jesus called together his 12 apostles and gave them power and authority to cast out demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the coming kingdom of God and to heal the sick. That's faith in action. That's what I believe God's calling us to do. Let me close in a word of prayer this morning. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, that there are moments and times where you call your people to take steps of faith even if it doesn't look like everything makes sense. Sometimes it's that step of faith where we dip our toe in the water and the water parts. Sometimes it's a step of faith of marching around those walls and that last time around just shouting at the walls, blasting the horn, and the walls come tumbling. Sometimes it's taking a step of faith on a stormy sea where the waves are splashing around us. We sing that song sometimes, Oceans, Spirit lead me where my trust is without border. See, Jesus Christ came to this earth for each and every human here on this earth. For the lonely, for the hurting, for the homeless, for the sick, for the divorced, for the broken marriages and homes, for the struggling children and their family circumstances, for the addicts and their families, and for us. 
Jesus came for us. And we see what faith does. But what Christ is asking of us right now is to go out. Be for your community. Be for people. Be for grace and forgiveness and love. Be for restoration. Father, this morning, do this in our hearts and our lives. Begin with me. In the areas that I've fallen short of, I give it to you this morning. Please forgive me. Each one of us, look at your heart and life. Maybe there's some things that God's kind of called out of you right now and you've been resistant. Or maybe you're waiting to, for another season or maybe you're waiting for COVID to be done. You keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Take a step of faith and go out. Because we see what faith in action does when his people take those steps of faith. Do that in this church, Lord. Do that in our lives. Lord, we give this store to you. There's nothing I can do. But it's everything that you can. I pray, Father, right now, there'd be an excitement. Because, Lord, when we begin serving in that way, when we begin giving, that's where our faith becomes fun and no longer dull. Our faith is quickened. May we get excited about what we're seeing you do in and through us. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings you've given. We thank you for sending your son for us. Continue your work in our lives, Lord. See it through to completion. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everyone stand this morning. I'm going to reread Isaiah 43, verses 18 through 19. I believe it's a call for us about what God is going to do. It says, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry places. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Go out and be a disruptor this week.